how are you now? Yeah. How are you now? How am I now? Well, I'm glad I asked. I think I'm finally getting over my cold, so I think I can probably get through this episode uh, pretty uh, scot-free. So hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and we are here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens continuing their homestand at the Bell Centre, this time against the Seattle Kraken, who have a worse record than I thought they did. Uh, the last few episodes when I talked about this homestand getting tougher and tougher, uh, I had mentioned the Seattle Kraken as maybe a team uh, to look out for. Uh, during that homestand, but then I was looking at the standings today, just for shits and giggles, I decided to take a look. They're below the flames, actually, in the Pacific Division. I thought they were up there jousting with the Kings for, like, third or second place, uh, but no, they're a little bit further down. So, uh, you know, you can't you can't take them lightly just because they're a little bit lower in the standings, and the Habs should know that most teams in the league are a little bit more put together than them. They're still going through their rebuild, so they got to come out, they got to play strong. And uh, before we get to that, before we get to the recap and everything else that happened, the holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. It's not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA all the way through to international soccer, we've got you covered. So head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And this game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Kraken started uh, with another bit of a shakeup in the lineup for the Montreal Canadiens. Uri Slavkovsky back on the top line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Big question going into this one was how are they going to look? And well, right off the opening face-off, the Montreal Canadiens were tenacious on the forecheck. Just looking great out there. The top line of Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Uri Slavkovsky absolutely you know, causing havoc in the offensive zone all over the Seattle Kraken. And you could say the same for almost every line. Anytime they got the puck in there, they were absolutely hounding after it. Uh, and that was a welcome, welcome change from what we've seen in some recent games. There's been a lot of games where they kind of just try to get it in deep just to take a breath. No, they were trying to get it in deep because they wanted to go and attack with it. And that forechecking paid off pretty early in the game. Jake Evans down low forces a turnover. It goes to Josh Anderson. He has a chance to shoot from the circle, but he elects instead to pass it to Sean Monahan standing on the back door. And he puts it in. It's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. And their forechecking stayed intense for that entire period. They're still a little bit messy in their own zone. So Samuel Montembeau had to make some saves uh, to keep things on an even keel. But at the other end, because of that forechecking, Philip Grubauer was having to make the better saves out of the two. Um, nothing against Samuel Montembeau. He played great in that first period. But Philip Grubauer was really the reason why it wasn't any worse than one nothing at the end of 20 minutes. And early in the second period, we get some more good forechecking from the Habs. This time it's Pearson. Tanner Pearson and Brendan Gallagher setting a double screen out front after the forecheck. Point shot comes from Johnny Kovacevic. Pearson gets to the rebound before anybody else. He puts it in and it's 2-0 for the Habs. Uri Slavkowski later goes end-to-end with the puck. Okay, He gets it in his own zone. He goes all the way through, tries to split the D, gets tripped, draws the call. It's a golden opportunity for the Habs, who have not been super great on the power play of late. They've been allowing more goals than they've actually been scoring. And they cash in on this one. 
Uri Slokowski with some great work along the wall to keep the play alive. And then later on, it goes tic-tac-toe. Cole Caulfield to Nick Suzuki to Sean Monaghan up in the slot. 3-0. And the Montreal Canadiens are absolutely fucking cooking in this game. But just over five minutes to go in the period. The third line gets caught out there for way too long. They ice the puck. They get caught out there even longer as a result. And after that icing, the Kraken are able to set up. Jared McCann gets a look from just inside the right face-off circle. He snipes upstairs. First person to beat Sabine Montembeau on the night. And it's 3-1. to one. That's your score going into the third period. So very curious to see what are the Habs going to look like in that third period. You do not want to blow a 3 nothing lead. And you've already kind of started to. And of course... Early on in the third period, we get a ridiculous call against Mike Matheson. He gets called for hooking. Really, all he did was push the guy. I forget who it was, but he pushed him. And for whatever reason, the refs called it a hook. It was absolutely not a hook. Shouldn't have been a penalty whatsoever. And, of course, the phantom call benefits the Seattle Kraken. Vince Dunn gets a point shot. I think it was deflected on the way. I don't know if it was for sure. They credited it to Vince Dunn, but it got kicked up just under the crossbar. It's in 3-2 is your score, and this is where you got to wonder how are the Canadians going to respond to this. All right, you could hang your head. You could start just trying to sit on that one-goal lead and hope that you can come out of it with a win. They don't do that. To their credit, they put their foot on the gas, and they were trying to go out there and get an extra goal. They wanted to get the insurance marker. They didn't want to just sit back and try to prevent the tying goal. I really got to give them credit for that because I was expecting them to kind of just go into a shell. And they absolutely didn't. You know, they were still getting pucks in deep, still going heavy on that four check. And uh, they were neck and neck. It, you, you, if you didn't know what the score was, you wouldn't know which team was trailing. Because they both looked like they were hungry for a goal. And we saw very similar action to what we saw in that, uh, in that first period there. Where I think the Habs were getting the better chances. As far as I'm concerned, they were getting the better chances. Um, but about even overall in terms of shots and shot attempts. And then we go all the way down to the wire. They pull Grubauer for the extra attacker, and guess who gets a goal in the empty net? It's Josh fucking Anderson, the guy who needed a goal more than anybody else on the ice for either team, manages to get one into the empty net. Uh, He looked incredibly relieved. The team was celebrating for him on the bench. Cole Caulfield was jumping up and down, smiling ear to ear. Um, Just a great moment. I mean, I'm sure he would have liked to get one on an actual goaltender, but hey, when you're in a slump like that, I think you probably just want to see one go across the goal line and have it counted towards you, and that's what he got, and maybe it's something that'll that'll get him going moving forward. 4-2 to two is your score after the empty netter, and it is your score at the end of 60 minutes. The Montreal Canadiens defeat the Seattle Kraken, and um, man... That was a good enough game for me that instead of just giving you a player of the game, we're going to go three stars style on this one. So your third bottom six minutes star of the night in this game is Josh Anderson. Um, He's been everybody's whipping boy a little bit this season, and for for good reason. I'm not trying to sit here and say the criticism that he's received has been unwarranted. The guy had zero goals going into this game. When you have zero goals in 20 plus games and you make five and a half million dollars a year you're gonna be the target for criticism it doesn't fucking matter where you play it could be montreal it could be arizona you're gonna have criticism coming your way obviously it's a little bit more pronounced when you're in a big hotbed hockey market like montreal but it's again it's not unwarranted criticism to be handed his way but in this game i thought he was excellent 
Obviously, he set up that Monaghan goal. He's actually become, you know, a little bit more adept as a playmaker over the last couple of games, which is weird to see. It's it's kind of, you know, a, a logical thing to do, I guess, when you're just fighting it in terms of shooting to start looking to pass a little bit more. Uh, and for him, it's actually worked a little bit. So it's not necessarily something that he needs to stop doing, although you, you do ideally want to see him get back to, you know, what got him to the dance in the first place, what got him a $5.5 million contract in the first place, which is putting the puck in the net. Um, I think he needed that goal more than you could possibly imagine. He's got it now, and we'll have to see how does he carry that into subsequent games. Um, they're not in action again until Thursday, so they've got a few ga- few days off uh, to kind of regroup, uh, to maybe continue working with those lines that they put together in this game. Uh, and they're going to be up against the Kings in the next game. We saw what they did to the Habs last time. The Habs could not put a single puck in the net. They got shut out. So... What does that mean? Well, anything better than that in the next game would be an improvement. So Josh Anderson, he could be a big part of that. He could maybe, you know, get his first uh, goal on an actual goalie this season against the Kings and uh, and make for a better game than they had last time when they were in L.A. So Josh Anderson, third star of the night, well-deserved, great game from him. Second star of the night, I'm going with Uri Slavkovsky. And you might be asking yourself, Matt, why would you pick Uri Slavkovsky? He didn't have a single point in that game. How could you pick him as one of your stars? Well, let me answer that question with another question. Did you watch the game? Because Uri Slavkovsky played perhaps his best game in the NHL so far in his young career. I know he didn't score, but if he plays every single game like he did that one against the Kraken, the points are going to come in bunches. That was a fantastic game. He was ridiculously good on the forecheck. He's turning pucks over left, right, and center. Uh, There was one point where the the Kraken were trying to back up in their own zone and set up a breakout. He just comes in hounding the puck carrier, turns it over, and then sets up Nick Suzuki in the slot. If Nick Suzuki had just a slightly better shot, it would have been an easy goal for him. Um, And again, I think if if, if he replicates that setup multiple times over the course of the next, I don't know, say five games, I, I bet more often than not, that same setup leads to a goal. So... Gotta love the way that he played. Gotta love the forecheck. Gotta love him going end-to-end and drawing a call that ended up getting a goal for them. And realistically, if there was such thing as a tertiary assist, he would have had it on that Sean Monaghan power play goal. So um, really, magnificent game from him. I'm I'm hoping that it's a sign of more things to come because we've seen it before where he has a good game and then he follows it up with a lackluster game. Um, this was different. This was for my money, the best game that I've seen him play in the NHL. So um, really hoping that maybe this, uh, you know, second opportunity is a second or third opportunity for him on the top line. I think it's the second. Um, hoping this second opportunity is the thing that sparks him to continue playing like that. Like they need to just show him the game film from this game and just be like this. Everything that you did in this game, do it over and over again. Repeat that, right? Just burn that into his brain so he knows like that he can do these things. He's using his frame, uh, and this has been a this has actually been a bit more of a trend throughout the course of the season, more so than just one game. But he's really starting to use his frame now. Like he's crashing, bang. He's playing like a power forward. He's playing like he figured out that he's bigger than most of the fucking dudes on the ice. And I love it. I love it. Loved that game from him. I do not give a shit that he didn't find a point. Um, if he plays like that, the points will come. Yuri Slavkovsky, second star of the night, and your first star of the night 
This should come as no surprise. It's Sean Monahan. He also got the first start in the Bell Center. Um, great game from him. Obviously, Johnny on the spot uh, with the first goal, just standing there on the back door waiting for that pass from Josh Anderson. And then again on the power play. Uh, in the slot, <clears throat> takes the feed real quick. It's funny because on that power play goal, they actually tried that play right before it worked, right? And Caulfield put it down to Suzuki. And Suzuki went to, tr- like, he kind of made it look like he was going to try to jam it in the net because uh, the pass wasn't there. And then they circled back, and then <laughs> Suzuki gave it to Caulfield, Caulfield back to Suzuki, and they did the tic tac toe. So that's clearly a play that they've been working on, and uh, they've been working on how to disguise it as well. And I think. Plays like that are going to make it harder for people to cover Cole Caulfield, and this could lead to him maybe getting a bump in his goal production as well. So um, this could work on, on a lot of levels for the Habs, and it's it's nice to see them doing something different with the power play. Um, obviously, they didn't get very many opportunities in that game. I thought they probably deserved a few extra, but I'm not going to turn this into a referent. I'm just going to talk about how good the Habs actually looked, and Sean Monaghan was a big part of that. Um He's he's a big body guy, so when he's kind of standing there in the slot like that, um, you got to have somebody on him at all times. Otherwise, he's got a pretty big wheelhouse. And Suzuki put it right in there. Uh, he put it home, and that ended up being the game winner. So it was a big one uh, for them to get. Uh, and again, this is a team that has struggled really mightily on the power play recently. I think through their last what was it six or seven games, they had given up more goals than they had actually scored. Uh, so this is huge. Um, can they replicate it is a big question. So I don't want to sit here and celebrate it too much as we've seen the power play look good in a game before. And kind of the same thing I said about Slavkovsky. The difference with the power play is that it doesn't just look mediocre the next game. It could look like absolute dog shit the next game. And as I mentioned, the next game is against LA, a team that they already got rocked by. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but I would very much like uh, to believe that this is the sign of the power play maybe turning a bit of a corner and uh, not being so futile moving forward because it would be nice and it would make them a little bit more watchable for the remainder of the season. But Sean Monaghan, huge part of that game. Uh, he was another guy that was doing very well in the forecheck, uh, chased down an icing at one point, just uh, played a great game. And he's been healthy all season, which is a surprise considering that last year we all thought he was going to be gone at the deadline, right? And then he re-signs in Montreal, and uh, now they get the opportunity to maybe trade him again at the deadline. you got to think, uh, if he stays healthy and he keeps playing the way that he is, they could get a pretty penny for him at the deadline. I could see a lot of contending teams being very interested in a player like that um, when he gets the opportunity to get traded. And with the salary that he's got, he could fit on almost anybody's cap. So, um, yeah. This could be this could be huge for the Habs. They already got a first round pick for him. Now they might be able to add to that haul. Um, just brilliant business if they are able to do so. And there are your three stars. But we're not going to just stop there. We still got to talk about some other performances as well. And uh, Jaden Struble was very close to being one of the three stars for me in that game. Um, he's looked magnificent since coming up. I do not think that he is going to see the Laval Rocket again this season. I really don't. I think the only way that he does is if everybody gets healthy, if they've got everybody back on the blue line, like David Savard comes back, and um, obviously Arbor Jackai, when he comes back, then maybe they could send Struble down. But right now, the way he's playing, I don't think you can send him down. I, I think even if everybody's healthy, you've got a tough decision on your hands because I don't think that he deserves to be put back on the Laval Rocket. Not that being in Laval is a problem. It's just that he's playing right now like a legitimate you know middle pair defender 
and they bumped his minutes again, which is something I asked for last game, didn't I? In the last episode, I said they should bump his minutes a little bit, start getting him up towards 12. Um, he only played 10 this time, but it was more than he played last game. And I'd say keep creeping those minutes up. Keep creeping them up and see what, what happens, right? He's super physical. Um, he does not allow very much against him in the defensive zone he's well positioned makes it very tough for anybody to generate any kind of high danger scoring chances when he's on the ice and uh he's just he just looks the part of an nhl defenseman every shift that he's out there so uh i'm thrilled with how he's looked so far and i think you know for my money i'd send back lindstrom i said that already before so i don't want to dump on lindstrom too much i would send back justin Barron as well before i would even think about sending Jaden struble anywhere he's playing great Keep giving that kid opportunities because he deserves them. Outside of that, there really wasn't anybody to, to not like in that game. I mean, uh, we already talked about the three stars. Uh, I even thought Yoel Armia looked good in that game. Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki played a fantastic game. Really, that top line, um, it's something that they should probably stick with for the next little while. I know they tried it before, and I said that, and then it stopped working, and I said, all right, maybe we need to break it up. But at this point, with all the injuries that they've got... Um, I don't think that they can do better than the configuration that they went out with against the Kraken. And that top line was a big part of it. Um, you know, we'll see what happens when they don't have last change. If they take that line on the road, maybe it changes a little bit. Maybe if it's tougher for them to get the matchups that they're looking for. Uh, but that line was, they had their head well above water in that game. 54.17% on the Corsi, so that's your shot attempts, uh, well in their favor. Uh, their expected goals for was 57.74%. So, that's an excellent game. That's an excellent game. High danger scoring chances, 66.67%. Everything went in their favor when they were on the ice. A lot of that was their strong forecheck, and Uri Slavkovsky was leading that forecheck. So as long as Slavkovsky can keep playing like that, and Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield um, are sticking together, and they've got him on the other wing, I think it can continue to work. And again, that overall configuration, I think, is one that they might want to try and continue using for the next couple of games. So they ran with that as their top line. They had the de facto second line with Sean Monaghan with Jake Evans at center and Josh Anderson, which worked very well. Jake Evans' forechecking uh, obviously created that first goal for them. And I, I think that's a line that, again, could continue to work for them. It's got good defensive responsibility with Jake Evans at center and Sean Monaghan on the wing. And it takes the pressure off of Josh Anderson to do any kind of defending. And he can just focus on, you know, trying to get some more goals and not of the empty net variety. The de facto third line was Tanner Pearson with Christian Dvorak and Brendan Gallagher. They were excellent. And I mean excellent. They were extremely tenacious in the forecheck. Brendan Gallagher was probably close to deserving one of my three stars in this game as well uh, with how good he played. And Christian Dvorak, too, I, I would say, you know, he impressed me in that game. He had a couple of shifts where, where they hemmed the Kraken in their own zone. And Dvorak was a big part of that, turning pucks over. Anytime they tried to get out, he's just pouncing on the puck carrier. Um, really, really liked what that line was bringing. And then they had the fourth line was uh, Jesse Elinen with Mitchell Stevens and Yoel Armia. They didn't play a whole lot, but they were very effective as a fourth line. You know, you want your fourth line to just be able to eat minutes. And that's precisely what they did. They ate minutes. They did not give up very much. And they had a positive expected goals for, which is precisely what you want to see out of your fourth line. It's just you're not giving anything up. You're maybe not getting anything, but nobody gives a shit, right? The idea is you're eating those minutes. You're making it tough for the other team to get anything going. And, of course, setting things up for the other lines to go out and do damage. So... Really, this is a great, complete game from the Montreal Canadiens. From the net out, because the only person I haven't mentioned yet was Samuel Montembeau. He made some great saves in that game. 
Um, again, the Habs had the Habs had much better scoring chances. And this is not just an opinion from me. You guys can go check Natural Stat Trick. They've got the same data. Um, where what did they have? Go we'll take a look. I want to say so high danger scoring chances nine to seven in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. So fifty six point two five percent. The Habs had the better chances. They didn't dominate this game, so domination would be a stretch. But they had the better chances. They deserved more goals than the Kraken did. But that didn't mean that the Kraken didn't have opportunities. Like I said, 9-7. to seven. So there were still seven high-danger scoring chances to deal with, and Samuel Montembeau stopped all of them. Um, he showed people in that game with some of those saves, why did he get the contract that he got? Um, he's capable of giving you an opportunity to win games. If things are pretty close to even, he's the great equalizer there, or rather, not necessarily the equalizer, but the trump card that actually could push you over the edge and, and get you a win in a game that's maybe a little bit closer than you'd like it to be. And uh, I think he was a big difference in that game, despite the fact that the team played well enough in front of him to not necessarily need a steal. Um, really good overall game from the Habs. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about that game. I'm not super excited about them playing the Kings in their next one. Uh, I'm going to be in California for that one. So, um, Oddly enough, the Habs won't be in California, but I will. And I should still have the episode out immediately afterwards, along with an article. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to see what Habs team shows up for that game against the Kings. Is it this one, or is it the one that we saw the last time that when they visited the Kings in California? Um, I'm really hoping that it's this one, because I think that heavy forecheck could uh, cause some problems for the Kings. Kings are a big team, though, so they're probably going to buck against that forecheck, and you're going to have to be ready to uh, make the game a little bit ugly. And uh, who knows? I don't know. This was a great game, and I'm hoping that they can replicate it. What are we running? Right around 22 minutes. So, c'est soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.